Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. We got several fighters here. How many of you wrestlers, wrestlers? Oh, Sam, put your hand way up. Yeah. And jujitsu people. And what other kind of fighters we got? Anybody else fighter here? Runner, runner, bicycler. You know, uh, there's Thomas. Yes, he's knocked him out. Uh, you know, uh, when we're going to a tournament, we don't just walk in and say, okay, well, put my gloves on. Here we go. No, no, we're warming up. We're popping those out there, you know, kick, kick a little pile. Get, we get warmed up. We're ready. We're going to battle today. Today, we're going to talk to you about some things. You need to get warmed up. You need to get alive. You need to get to thinking. You're not coasting till you get to heaven. The battle goes on. You're not on a cruise ship. You're on a battleship. Everybody say battleship. And what do you do on battleships? You battle. That's right. When the airplane comes over with torpedoes to drop on you, you shoot them down. When you see the submarine, you drop depth charges on them. When you see the enemy, you go after them. That's your job. And we are here as the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. This is my father's world. There's a great rebellion against him. There's hatred towards him. But this is my father's world. And I'm here as one of his ambassadors, one of his soldiers, one of his runners. And I am not to hang back and hope it gets over before I get there. I'm part of a SWAT team. We have SWAT, Spiritual Weapons and Tactics. And God's given us the the power of the Holy Spirit, given us his word to live by and given us a mandate to get out and do something. He, he, Hebrews 5, read it to you last week, says, by now you ought to be teachers and you're having to be fed, fed baby formula again. That's pitiful. Let's get strong. Let's go out. Gilmer County has 25,000 people who think God is irrelevant. They're sitting at home, got all kinds of excuses, going downhill. There's all kinds of young, young people who don't have daddies teaching them anything, don't have mamas teaching them anything, don't even have their grandparents teaching them anything. They're making bad decisions. I was coming down the highway. Uh, we took Sophie up to Dollywood since I'm going to be gone for three weeks. Uh, she's been begging to go. So we went up there. And on the way back, coming down 411, on the other side, there's two lanes and there's lots of signs, one after the other. No. Do not Go down this road. Turn around. You know, and, and all these signs. Why? Because there's people who may have had too much cough medicine, maybe turning down the wrong road there. There's people who may be in a hurry and they just go down. Do not enter. They're going the wrong way. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of? Say death. Death. Crash. Boom. You know, you've got to be watching all the time. You got to watch for texters. You got to watch for, but you've also got to watch for people who aren't paying attention, who turn down the wrong road, and 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 can get you in in trouble. So, how does God develop character in us? And it's going to be a surprising way that you're going to find out today. How does God develop character in us? How does our celestial coach develop character in us? Somebody want to guess? Yes, Jerry. The refiner's fire. The refiner's fire, okay? He cranks up the heat. How many like the heat? How many have experienced the heat? Yes. Don't raise your hand. You might be in the heat now, and if you're not, you're going to be. All right. The refiner's fire. So, so that's one way. How, how does God get us to be people of strong, Christian, godly character. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Now we're studying the book of Colossians. And the focus of the book of Colossians is what? Jesus. Not angels. Not Ascetic diets, not special knowledge of a special group. It is Jesus. Jesus for everybody. Jesus, the way of salvation. Jesus, the way of entering into a living relationship with God. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the 
truth. Jesus is the life. Say it with me. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by Him. The song we just sang, I'm a child of God. I hope you are a child of God. You're not a child of God because you believe in God. You're not a child of God because you believe in Jesus. Unless you surrender to Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, got a new nature, you're not a child of God. You are a creation of God and God is working in your life and God wants to be in a relationship with you. But right now, you're alienated from Him. Right now, you consider Him your enemy. Right now, you, you might be scared to say that, but you are not subject to to him. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Well, let's start at one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, I'm brought into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, died a sinless death, rose again from the dead with victory over the grave and, and death, and he is my Savior. I don't just accept him. I have surrendered to him. He is my boss. Therefore, I am justified by faith, by absolute trust in him. And I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, complete, absolute master, Jesus the Savior, Christ the anointed one, God's anointed Savior, the Lord of the universe who has all authority in heaven, all authority on earth. I have been justified by faith and trust in Him. Do you trust Him today? Yes. Do you trust Him? Yes. Do you trust Him in what you're going through? Yes. Do you trust Him with that problem that you've got, that person, that place, that dream, that... Do you trust Him? You know, Brother Paul was saying that, I've been in a lot of pain, but I trust God. You know, if we had to go through hell on earth and got to go to heaven, it's worth it. Eternity with Him. So, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Amen. Peace with God and the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith, trusting in Him absolutely, into this grace, into this favor. When God looks at you, He smiles and says, Ricky, you're all right. I love you, man. He does. He looks at you with favor. Favor. Isn't that wonderful? Favor in your finances. Favor in your health. Favor in your relationships. Favor. He looks at you. Now, he may not be doing everything you want. Sophie definitely thinks that I have poor judgment on a lot of things. But I do love her. And I seek to take care of her. And I'm not all wise. The all-wise Father, the all-powerful Father, the ever-present Father, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings has favor towards you. You stand in His grace. And we stand there. I mean, His light of favor and is shining down on us. And it's not just uh, a benign. It is an active, living grace that we have. The Holy Spirit is the vehicle of His grace in our lives. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. What does the word exalt mean? What do you look like when you exalt? You know, when, when people graduate from high school, what do they do at the end of the ceremony? They throw their hats, cheer, and carry on because they are so smart now that they don't need to know anything else. No. Then when you graduate from college and find out that you knew less than you thought you did. But I mean, exalting, celebrating, excited when you win the race, win the game, win the fight exalted we exalt in the glory of God God's great glory you know his outshining but his great glory of his character we glory in him I mean he is if you're going to have your faith in anything have your faith in God trust in him I mean he is your foundation when the storm comes you will go through the storm and in verse 3, it is backwards in our thinking. And not only this, in other words, we're exalting in the glory of God, but we also exult in tribulations. Tribulations. Tribulations is the word for when they got the grapes in the big vat and they're in there barefooted. That's a sad thing to think about when you're drinking your grape juice. But anyway, they got their feet in there stomping that out. They're tribulating the, gra the grapes because they want some grape juice, some wine. When they get in there with the olives, they tribulate the olives and they squish them because what do they want? 
oil to come out there. That olive oil, which is so good for so many things. They tribulate them. Paul says, we, by the Holy Spirit, we exult. We party. We get excited in tribulations. How many have got a little bit to go to get there? <laughs> but you will find out. And, and the tribulation God talks about. Wait till you hear about this one. You will be so surprised. Uh, and then you'll agree with me and you will laugh. But no digging elbows. Okay, so he says we exult in tribulation. We celebrate when the tribulation starts. James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You know, so this morning I was just going over this again and got a text from Africa. Papa's wall at the house has fallen down. I just had to laugh. I said... Can you hear me at the back? Okay. I said, uh, that wall's been there 30 years. Why does it wait to just after he dies to fall down? The rent's paid for two months. Why didn't it wait to three months and fall down? You know, and it fell down on Sunday. Somebody's got to come there and watch the property because the wall's fallen down. And why did it do that? And I just had to laugh and say, well, God, that's your wall. Thank you that it stood up. Thank you nobody got hurt. Thank you that you got a purpose in it. And thank you that when I'm preaching about this stuff, uh, that's why one of the guys here said, Steve, please don't preach about adultery because you get tested in every area that you preach about. We don't want you tested there. And I said, uh, amen to that. We'll stay off that. But, you know, we're going to be tested and tried. And so here comes something totally unexpected. The wall has fallen down. Do we have to build it back? Do we have to fix it? Do we have to have a guard there 24-7 watching the house till I get there? You know, what? And, 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 and why do we have to even think about that this morning? Well, it's one of those things. You just have to say, thank you, Lord. My life is yours. Stuff happens, and I'm with you. And thank God that it didn't fall down because you weren't watching. You're right there. And he says, we exult in tribulation. We exult in getting pressed and squeezed, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. Endurance, you know. Um, so some of our guys here, they do jujitsu, and they, uh, or they do bike riding, and of course, all of us do all kinds of stuff. And in wrestling too, you know, Sam will get those guys out there, and they just have to push on each other and push and go. You've got to have endurance. You can't just jump into a fight uh, and expect to win if you never train. You got to be in shape. And today, we're talking about. Covenant community and the people that come here being in shape because the fights are going to come. The pressure is going to come. The, the storm is going to come. And Jesus said, if you do what and what, you're building on a strong foundation. If you hear my words and do them. Hear my words and oh, that's pretty weak. Hear my words and Jesus said, hear my words and do them. Then you're building on the rock. And when the storm comes, when the wind blows, when the flood rises, your house will stand firm. But if you've got that nice little pretty place down on the beach, you didn't bother hearing Jesus' word. And then you didn't bother doing it when you did hear it. You had built on the sand and Jesus has a promise for you. What's Jesus' promise for you if you build on the sand? The storm will come. The flood will rise and the house built on the sand, I promise, Jesus said, will fall flat. You know, now, now people don't like to hear that at church. You're supposed to encourage me. I am. I'm encouraging you to build on the rock. Hear his word, do his word, know his word, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He's given you good words, good ways, a good path. And he's given you the power to do that. He says, so we rejoice in the tribulation. We rejoice in the trials, knowing that the trying of our faith brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And the word hope in the Bible is that delighted anticipation of the future, of firm confidence in that. In other words, not only am I going to go into the fight, I'm going to win the fight. I have hope here. Firm, delighted confidence in God that whatever I'm going through, I don't have to know what's going to come. I am with Him and He's with me and good things are going to happen. They may not look good right then, but I trust Him. Amen? 
Tribulation develops patience. Patience experience. God has come through again and again and again. He'll do it again for you. He's the same now as when, as then. You may not know how, you may not know when, but He'll do it again. Hasn't He always come through for you? Okay, good, good. Uh, he has for me. So perseverance, proven character, and proven character, firm confidence, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So we can rejoice in uh, tribulation. So how does God develop character in us? First of all, we need to be saved. I'm a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. I've surrendered to him. And I've asked Him to be my Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Not just do you believe in Him. Not just do you believe about Him. Have you surrendered to Him, asked Him to save you, and asked Him to put His Spirit in you, and made yourself a bond slave of God? Then you can exult in that confident expectation of glory in, in, the, in heaven, and the new heaven and the new earth, but also right here, a relationship with him here and now. So there's going to be pressure in your life. God brings pressure in tribulation uh, because he wants the wine to come out. He wants the oil to come out. Pressure is an opportunity to develop character. My mother's favorite verses were Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that all things, everybody say all things, all things work together for good to those not to everybody one of Gilmer County's favorite verses is all things work together for good no they don't if you don't love God and you're not called according to his purpose they can be working very bad for you now he has good goals for you but if you don't love they don't work together for, they work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose Verse 29 has to be with it. For whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he'll be the firstborn among many brethren. God wants you to be exactly like, say it louder, exactly like Jesus. Jesus. That's his goal. So as Jerry was talking about, he turns up the heat to show you stuff in you that's not like Jesus. And if you're not sure about that, ask your wife, ask your mother, ask your friend, ask your husband, ask your enemy. They'll tell you what in you is not like Jesus. So God's going to bring pressure into your life. He's the sovereign God. We don't have to understand what's happening. We don't have to know what's going to be on the other side. But we can respond and do what we know is right. We are to glory in tribulation because God is large and in charge and I can trust him. He loves me and he is always with me. And he is powerful, rich, and wise. I can trust him. Can you trust him? Yeah. Let's just bow our heads a minute. Oh God, we can sit here in a safe place and we can say that we love you and trust you. Forgive us so often when pressure comes on us and things come after us that we don't understand and don't like and that are very difficult. Uh, that we, instead of trusting you, we complain. We doubt your wisdom. We doubt your goodness. We doubt your uh, involvement. Uh, and yet you, our loving Father, when we were your enemies, sent the Lord Jesus to die for us, raised him from the dead for us. And he's seated at your right hand, interceding for us. And you love us and your spirit is in us. You have wonderful plans for us if we will just trust you. Forgive us for not trusting you. Help us to trust you more and to learn to exult, to rejoice in tribulations. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm in a particular little tribulation right now. Uh, one of you who knows how to operate that thermostat, uh, come over there and talk to it, please. Thanks. Uh, it'll go to 68. <clears throat> Thank you. That one, it'll only go to 70. Um, so God's going to bring pressure into your life and into my life. And what does he expect us to have in pressure? Patience. Everybody say patience. patience. Pressure and patience. He wants us to have patience in tribulation. Endurance. Perseverance. Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus who authored your faith and is perfecting your faith and keep running towards him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get your eyes on the problems. Don't get your eyes on the waves. Keep running towards Jesus. And 
He will help you. The spiritual, the, the pressure comes and we can trust in God. It's not, listen, there, there's some people who are, who are going through the Christian life that are like, bless God, I trust Him. Yep, I love Him. And, well, they're cynical, they're unhappy, and uh, no, we, we have to come to Him if we, the Bible says that if you have food to eat, clothes to wear, everything else is a bonus. Having food to eat, clothes to wear, Paul says, let's be thankful. So everything beyond food and clothes. How many have got more than just food and clothes? We're all blessed. It's all a bonus. We are loved. Our health is a gift from Him. Our riches, our friends, our freedom. Everything is a gift from Him. If you will trust Him and spend your time in gratefulness to Him, Colossians says, thankful at all times, uh, then you will enjoy that more. So there's pressure. There is patience. And then God wants out of that to bring Purity. He wants to purify you. Get rid of the slag, the, the, the gold and silver. The, the silversmith looks into the silver and sees his reflection coming out. And then he knows that it's really pure. Job 23.10 says, God knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, Job said, I will come forth as gold. God tested Job. He went through terrible things and it cost people all around him. His children died. His wife was left childless. Uh, his servants were murdered. His stuff was all stolen. And then he broke out with boils all over his body. It was a terrible situation he was in. Not something that he felt good about. But he was able to say, God, I trust you. God, I love you. And we've heard of the patience of Job, how God came and blessed him in the end. But God had something big going on that we didn't know about. Malachi 3.3 said, God is the refiner of his people. So there's going to be pressure and out of pressure is supposed to come patience and out of patience is supposed to come purity so we have pressure patience purity and then then we will have pleasure pleasure is a good part of life it's God's design for us when you operate legitimately according to what his instructions are. You know, it, going from here to there, walking, is tough. Going to Dollywood, I'd never make it. But I can drive there. And I can drive fairly fast. And I have to watch the speed limit because sometimes it's 55, then it goes to 40, then 55, then 40. And there's people with the blue lights there uh, making money on the side of the road there. Big two-lane road. And I think I should be going 75, but I have to go 55, and then it goes down to 40. You can get in trouble. There's rules for the way you're supposed to go. Don't go here. Do go there. Go this way. Do that. Turn your blinker on. Blow your horn. Do those things, and you can enjoy your drive from here to there. God has some rules in life. These are the ways of blessing. These are the ways of trouble. And he says you should grow mature in Christ. Grow more and more Christ-like. And you will experience that joy in life. So I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read the New Living Translation. So just listen to me. And then we're going to apply it real quick. Um, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Let me tell you. Uh, on the fl flights that I fly with Delta and them, they have written on a new world order. <laughs> I just laugh. I say, I know who's in charge of the real world order, and that's God. There is a new world order, and he is the king waiting for his enemies to be subjected to him if they won't surrender to it. Uh, think about the things in heaven, of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So, put to death. How do you put a bug to death? He's put to death. He's exterminated. He is done. That's over. Uh, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. I like that word, lurking in you. How many got... Don't raise your hand, just look. <laughs> How many got some lurking stuff inside? Have nothing to do 
with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Have nothing to do with them. If you're out in the lake swimming along and you're a fish and you see a worm hanging down, you don't lick it. No, 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 no. You will get yourself in big trouble. If, if the lion is walking through the jungle and he sees a zebra leg hanging down from a branch, what should he do? Not keep walking. Run. Nothing's free. Everybody say nothing's free. Nothing is free. There's always a reason. And zebra legs hanging on branches have trouble beneath them. There's a big hole with spears in it, and you will get yourself in big trouble. Whenever you see trying to take a shortcut, see, lust is trying to take a shortcut to a legitimate end. Lust with money is you try to steal to get there, try to cheat somebody to get there. No, no, no. God says work hard, get your money, do that. Lust in the sexual area is trying to go where you can't go because you're not married. No, you're not supposed to be doing that. God says don't do that. He says have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idol worshiper. He's an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. There's certain things at my house, at my daddy's house, when we did those, you knew daddy's anger was coming. Just don't do that. One time we stole my sister's doll, me and my brother, and we ran in, locked the door. Oh, she was pitching a fit. I mean, she was screaming and yelling. Finally, she got so mad, she just put her fist through the window into the road. So we got in big trouble for that because she could have cut her wrist and we were aggravating her. And that wasn't right. And the wrath of my daddy came upon us. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Does this apply in marriage? <laughs> Caught you off guard, didn't it? If she hadn't done that, I wouldn't have said that. If you didn't do that, I wouldn't have done that. It's... His fault. Let me read it again. Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. We were talking to Sunday school about this. God said, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell all the truth. You'll get it after a while. <laughs> Number 10. Uh, put on your new nature. Put off the old nature. Put on the new nature. You make a decision. Like we said last week, it is a decision time. It's something you have to do. And be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you, listen, that's wonderful. He chose you to be in His family. He chose you to be His holy people. He loves you. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If we wrote these things down, are you tender-hearted and merciful? Selected. Okay. Uh, are you kind? Proverbs 31, when it talks about the most excellent woman, says the law of kindness is on her lips. She says, I will speak kindly. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other. Give some slack. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. It's the glue that puts us together. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let it be the umpire. When you lose that peace of God, when you do something, say something, think something, and the peace of God goes, what, what's happening? Foul, step on the line, stop. Let the peace. When you, how many of you have lost that peace before? Done something, said something? Good. The rest of you need counseling. You're not doing anything. No. no. All of us have it. 
When that peace goes from your heart. I hope you know the peace of God. I hope you know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be someplace and need to pray for somebody and can't get through. 1 Peter 3 says, Husbands, if you're bitter against your wives, your prayers are hindered. Let the peace of, uh, that, that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Everybody say always. Always. Always be thankful. I heard a preacher preach one time. He said, that doesn't mean always. Yeah. <laughs> I may not feel thankful all the time. And it may not look like something. You know, Paul and Silas didn't feel thankful to be beaten. They made a choice to be thankful. Job made a choice to say, even if he kills me, I'm still going to trust him. He loves me, and I love him, and I trust him. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Where do you find out about the message of Christ? Somebody help me. In the Bible? Where else? Other Christians? Small group? Do you talk about the Bible? Is this the only time you ever even think about the Bible? Is one hour a week at church? If that's the only time you ate, you'd be scrawny. We're to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, talking to Him, listening to Him, walking with Him, experiencing Him. Let the message about Christ and all its written fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father, just like Ruthie did a while ago. I'm blessed my mother had a song for everything. She knew songs from four years old. She could sing about anything, anywhere, and would teach us songs. And I'm so grateful for that. Songs. You know, they should fill our hearts. I need to do more of that in, in my home. Singing those songs. Like, you know, Sophie loves to play her, her little iPad there, and Martha has put all these things in, and she plays those songs all the time. Thank God. You know, it's not Barney. Uh, it is, you know, uh, a lot of these other groups singing. And those words ring into my heart and life. Now, the last part of this chapter has been deleted. Um, you know, um, all spiritual problems are rooted in about 10 areas. If you want these later. John, are we recording this? Oh, good. Okay. You can listen to it later. Um, John Regeer says in all his 35 years, 40 years of counseling, there's 10 basic areas that are the root causes of all spiritual problems in life. So just listen. Bitterness. That's the chief sin of the church. Bitterness and unforgiveness. That just hinders so much of the work of God. Bitterness, rebellion, pride. Immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4 and Hebrews 13. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. 1 Thessalonians 4, God says, I am watching that and I will deal with that. Uh, so bitterness, rebellion, pride, immorality, not just in action, but in our imaginations. If we entertain those things that come into our head and begin, no, we have to remove them. Temporal values. Living as if this world is all there is and that the only way I can be happy is with these things. Generational sins. If my daddy has a bad temper and he doesn't control it, it will affect me. If my mama is proud or if she's a complaining, bitter person, it will affect me. If she is a singing, blessing person, guess what? It will affect me. There, there are generational sins. When you sin, it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts the people around you. And you cannot fool your kids. God has done something there. Whatever's in your heart, really, you can, you know, uh, the preacher went over to these people's house and they sat down to lunch and the mama brought out a nice big turkey and set it down there. And the preacher said, boy, that looks like good turkey. The little boy said, well, mama said we were having the old skunk for lunch. Oh. <laughs> 
one time Pastor Benjamin, one of our African pastors, said to uh, my, my daddy said to him, he said, Pastor Benjamin, I really love you. He said, I know you do. He said, how do you know I love you? He said, your children love you. Isn't that wise? Children can't fake it. You know, when he came to the door, oh, Pastor Benjamin's here. We smiled. We laughed. Opened the door. Come in. Sit down. If there wasn't a chair, we sat on the, we went someplace else and sat there. He was going to sit at the table. When he came to church, you know, I, if I was sitting in the chair, Pastor Benjamin came, I'd get my little self up and go sit on that little slab that far off the ground with my knees up around my ears. <laughs> glad he's at church. You know, uh, what's in your heart will, will affect your family. So, uh, temporal values, generational sins, uh, sinful habits, occult activities. You cannot play with Ouija boards and Dungeons and Dragons and tarot cards and all that stuff and, and, and get by with it. Hypocrisy and negative thought patterns. So bitterness, rebellion, pride, immorality, temporal values, generational sins, sinful habits, occult activities, hypocrisy and negative thought patterns. These are the roots for all kinds of problems in the Christian life. We tend to respond to problems in one of three ways. Denial. It's not there. Well, you know, if a skunk comes in the house, you can deny it all you want to. It's there, right? How many of you smell this skunk? Okay, so I'm with you. Denial. Some people... They project. What is projecting? That's what Adam did. It's your fault. You made me do that. Can somebody make you lie? Can somebody make you steal? Can somebody make you cuss? It's a choice you make. There's denial. There's projection. And then there's rationalization. That says what? Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing that doesn't matter. Listen, if you do not know something is a sin before God, His principles still work. The law of uh, gravity is the law of gravity. And God has set certain laws in the universe. Whether you know them or not, that's the way they function. Whether you know His moral laws, whether you know His financial laws, whether you know His relational laws, no matter what, His laws are in place and that's the way things work. So you'd be a smart person to read the Bible, meditate on the Bible, get the Holy Spirit, and learn how to walk in His ways because God wants you to enjoy Him and enjoy life forever in a relationship with Him. So let's finish up uh, God's special way of showing you that you still have work to do in your life. John 8, 34 says, Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. John 10, 10 says, Satan comes to steal kill, destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil. So, <laughs> wives are annoying. Husbands are annoying. Children are exasperating. I'm reading from the Bible. No. Uh, fathers are aggravating. <coughs> Slaves are thieving rascals. Masters are abusive. Does that cover most relationships? How many here have a mother? You did not have. Okay. So it says here, if you want to know how you're doing in your spiritual maturity, let me just read you some words. Now these words are at the back on the table back there. I didn't print but 20. If you want them, you can get one of these to read to your spouse or your children or somebody else. But this is Paul's maturity profile. Let me read them, then we'll read the last part of the chapter and we'll go home. Uh, this is Paul's maturity profile from 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7 and Titus 1, 5 to 10. First of all, we should be people who are above reproach. People with a good reputation. Uh, when he's talking to men, he says, husbands of one wife. We should be maintaining moral purity. A one-woman man, your wife. A one-man-woman, your husband. 
temperate, exemplifying balance in words and actions. Prudent, being wise and humble. You know, there's some of you here, I love to go talk with you when I, I'm trying to make a decision because you have wisdom and, and, and humility, respectable. Serving is a good role model. Does this apply to teenagers? Yes. And I thank God we've got some. Yeah. <clears throat> Hospitable. Demonstrating unselfishness and generosity. Some of you all are so awesome about that. It is so amazing. Are you still with me here? Yeah. Now I know this is a list, but this is God's list. Just put in different words. It's in the Bible, and it's God's suggestion for your life. If you want to be more and more like Jesus, have a good reputation, moral purity, exemplifying balance in word and actions, wise and humble, a good role model, de demonstrating unselfishness and generosity, able to teach, communicating sensitively. In other words, you know how to say the truth, but not like the thrusting of a sword, but like a scalpel. Number eight, not given to wine, not being addicted to substances. You know, back then they didn't have a bunch of the stuff we have today. Not addicted to substances. Not self-willed. Not being a self-centered person. Not quick-tempered. Void of anger that becomes sinful. I like that. Void of anger that becomes sinful. Is there a time to be angry? Yes. Sure is. Your kid starts running out in the street, car going to run over him, pitch a fit, scare him to death. You know, uh, Not pugnacious, not an abusive person. There's pastors who are abusive. There are men and women and young people who are abusive. You're not supposed to be like that. Not contentious, not argumentative and divisive. Gentle, a sensitive, loving, kind person. Free from the love of money, not materialistic. One who manages his own household well. A good husband, father, good mother, and child. A good reputation with those outside the church. You're a testimony to unbelievers. Love what is good. Pursuing godly activities. Just, wise, discerning, not prejudiced. You will do the right thing with people. Whether you're a kid or not. You know, it's a great compliment. I've been in a tournament before and it would come down to a fight off for the championship trophy between one of our students and a student from another school. And I would say, do I need to step out of the ring? No, I trust you. That blesses my heart. To have that kind of trust of somebody from another school who's, so to speak, the enemy that they know, I will call it like it is, not just for our students. That's the way we're supposed to be in life, y'all. That we call it right, we do it right. Devout, holy and righteous, and not a new convert. If we are walking this way by the power of the Holy Spirit, then it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. How many here are wives? <laughs> the word submit does not mean he's always right, you're always wrong. It is rank under. Husband has a responsibility as a servant leader in the family. The wife, God told Adam, you need help. I made you to need help, and I'm bringing you a helper. And that was Eve. We're, if we're servant-hearted, we will serve together. Uh, yes, we're going to have disagreements. And yes, you learn to say yes, ma'am. But it is uh, working together. Uh, the Lord is everyone's boss. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. I watch my mother. Sometimes my mom and daddy both dead now, but I watch them in an argument. Uh, rarely. I mean, one time that I ever saw a just nose to nose in front of us. My dad was there and he was upset. My mama was there. She was not going to be moved. Five foot two to six foot two. And uh, all four of us are standing there and I'm thinking, mama's right. Daddy's wrong. Let's see how this works out. <laughs> Happened that way a lot. Um, she said, we need to go to the back bedroom. So they went back. There's no shouting, no yelling. A little bit came out. My daddy said, children, 
I want you to know I love your mother and your mother loves me and we are never going to divorce and I'm sorry for what just happened here me and your mother disagree about something but we will always work these things out I love her and she loves me one time he told us he told me anyway he said don't you ever ask me something and I tell you no and you go get your mama to say yes he said after you leave me and your mama together he says you try to pit us against each other I will hurt you <laughs> wives, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Why does God have to say that? Because men, when they get mad, they quit loving and they get harsh. Don't do it. Children, always, it's crossed out here, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. I have obeyed my father at times when I did not feel like it. Uh, I, I was riding down the road with my dad one time. They were here in the States, and I was in college. And he says, well, cut that long hair. Let get that hair cut. Man, my hair is barely over my ears. You can't even believe I used to have hair, do you? And it was touching my collar. But it, it was there, and, and I said, why are you so upset about that? Start a rebellion. And I said, have I ever rebelled against you? You got what? No. I said, have I ever been disrespectful to you? No. I said, well, it is a sign of rebellion. I said, I went to this church near where we're going to in North Carolina, and I was all of 17 years old, and they asked me to speak to the young people, and because my hair was cut off my ear and all that, they said, you'd be like him, and you'll be a good Christian. I said, I came back two years later, my hair's touching my ears and touching my collar, they can't listen to me because they think I got nothing to say. I had something to say then, but they couldn't hear it because of some little picture they had in there. I rebel against that. I said, if women have long hair, long, then my hair touching my ear is not long. Now, uh, we won't get into a big discussion about that because now, you know, skinhead is popular and, you know, I, I don't have hair if I want it. Okay, but uh, the thing was with my dad, I said, now I will cut my hair, but that doesn't mean that I'm an, I am not a rebel against you. I'm a rebel against standards that are not biblical standards. There's something else. It's religion and it's hurtful to young people. Uh, so we talked about that, and he was okay after that. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your masters in everything you do. Everything you do. How many here feel like slaves on a job? Don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> we all have to do things you don't want. To try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely. Why? Because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working uh, for as though you are working uh, for the Lord rather than for people. Remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you're serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you do. You have done, and God has no favors. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember, you also have a master in heaven. So just to wrap up, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, finally, brethren, then he went on for two more chapters, so I won't do that to you. Today, we are called to mature in Christ. We are called to progress. You're supposed to go from white belt to orange belt to yellow belt, on up to get to black belt. You're supposed to grow up where you're able to teach and help others not just keep receiving. You're not supposed to be just like a little tick just getting bigger and bigger. You know, and yeah, I'm smart. I know all about the Bible, but you're not helping anybody. No, we're supposed to be people that are out with character, serving in our community for the honor and glory of the Lord, maturing in Christ. You have to choose to do that. If you want to be able to do lots of push-ups, you've got to start with one. If you want to be able to bench 100 pounds, you've got to start wherever you're at. If you're going to be a wife, a submissive wife, you've got to start when it happens and you don't feel like it. If you're going to be a loving husband, you've got to be loving when the situation calls you to do that. And you don't do things because you feel like it. You do it because it's right to please God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You'll have feelings later. God will do good things for you. So when God tells wives, submit to your husbands, that's because that's not what they want to do. When he says, husband, love your wife, that's not what they want to do. And don't be harsh with them. You know, 
The Bible gives us instructions because we need instructions. He gives us the Holy Spirit to do what He wants. And then we live, not because everything in life is going to be fair. Young people, marriage is a wonderful thing. But marriage is to teach you that you're not as nice as you think you are. And then you know what God needs to work on to help you become what He wants you to be. Lord, we come and thank you so much for your word. You have given us a lifetime of truth and good ways to walk in, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for so many men and women here who do walk in your ways, who are people of truth and humility and kindness and diligent work. Thank you for so many of our young people that I see working hard at trying to become more and more like you want them to be. Father, we pray that you would help us not to do this uh, to try to get something from you, but to do this to please you. And we know that when you are most pleased in our lives is when we are going to be most blessed in our experience. Help us not to be people who are motivated by fear, but people who are motivated by faith, walking to become stronger and stronger. And you've promised that you will trample Satan under our feet. You've told us to humble ourselves under your hand, resist the devil, and he will have to flee from us. Thank you that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Help us now to walk in your Holy Spirit as we leave this place. I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the wonderful fellowship of the Holy Spirit will rest on and go with us as we leave this place and go out to be salt and light in this community. I pray uh, for your blessing on the church here in the work that they're getting done as we move forward. And we pray that you will uh, cause this to be a place where many find uh, instruction for success in, in your kind of a life, where they find healing, where captives go free, where the brokenhearted are healed, and where we experience your wonderful peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.